Perinatal Stories Australia. Welcome to Perinatal Stories Australia. My name is Rebecca, and every episode we provide a listening ear to the lived experiences of mental illness during pregnancy and postpartum. I hope this podcast reduces stigma, informs listeners about support services available, and inspires those on their own healing journey. More importantly, I hope you can hear these stories and know you're not alone. Thank you for being here to hold space for the stories we often keep to ourselves. I'd like to welcome today's guest, um, Jade, who you may know as the postpartum Jade on Instagram. I'm so honored Jade is here. She shared my story on her page many months ago, and I'm excited I get to hold space for her journey now. For Jade, her story's ongoing, both three years old, but also new at the same time. She was diagnosed with postpartum depression, although... <laughs> After still struggling nearly three years later, she got a new diagnosis and this is the first time she's sharing this. And I personally think it's a very powerful reminder that if we're only screening for postpartum depression, then we won't ever be diagnosed with anything other than postpartum depression. Um, But anyway, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let Jade talk because she's just got such an incredible story. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me. Um, Not sure where to start off. I guess let's talk maybe you hadn't had any prior experiences with mental ill health in the past. Is that correct? Um, Yeah, so... Nothing serious, really. Yeah. Like moments of depression, but nothing that lasts. Okay. Like nothing that was ongoing. Yeah. Then becoming a mom, it hit me pretty hard. And that was, yeah, my first experience with mental illness. <laughs> so, what did that look like? And where did that really start, do you think? For me, I was sort of like in that love bubble, I think, for like the first few months and whatever I was experiencing wasn't enough to make me think that there was something wrong. Um, I think you're sort of fueled with adrenaline and um, it wasn't until like the sleep deprivation really kicked in that my mental health just went really downhill and from what I've heard that's pretty common and I think for a lot of women it's hard to differentiate the symptoms of sleep deprivation and depression anxiety because they're very similar Um, so many people tell us oh that's just normal being mum exactly and that was very much the case for me as well like with the doctors and nurses and midwives appointments that you have postpartum I'd sort of explain what I was going through and yeah it was all very much oh that's normal that's normal you've you know hormone changes all very normal um but I knew I knew pretty early on that there was something (laughs) something a bit abnormal um but it took yeah it took a long time to get the right diagnosis and a really long time to get the right right diagnosis Yeah. yeah and lots of going to different doctors different specialists you know I've been trying really hard to get on top of things and just very very up and down for me as you know as it is with bipolar it's yeah and I mean in terms of those symptoms that started a couple months in what was Mm. going on there how did you feel what were you thinking yeah so I think 
for me that the anxiety was the first illness that I experienced because I'd have an awful consuming anxiety, especially about Oscar's sleep because um, I think he was like kind of sleepy at the start and it wasn't too much of an issue. He just had his sort of days and nights mixed up. So he'd like sleep all day and then we'd be up with him all night. That wasn't an issue um, having my husband home for the first few weeks. But yeah, it started to become quite hard to manage when um, he was back at work and I was up with Oscar through the night because you sort of have to be up all the time then don't you it's not like I could really sleep very much during the day and that that was another sign too is that I couldn't calm myself down enough to sleep like you know when they say sleep when the baby sleeps but um yeah I couldn't do that and that is a huge sign yeah so I did struggle with um insomnia and um and that's why I said the sleep deprivation really started to take hold on me and then Oscar's sleep started getting really bad so even when he was going to sleep at night he was waking up all the time and it's just not it's just you can't cope when when your baby's waking up all the time and you're like I said like when he would go to sleep I couldn't go back to sleep so that was really hard and of course you start going down that rabbit hole with the sleep there's so much noise so much like you google it and just all these different stuff comes up and you just want sleep so desperately you just start listening to everyone's advice and trying all the different things and it's very much you know each baby's so different like people will say oh this works for me like you have to do this and you try it and it won't necessarily work for your baby and so yeah like we tried so many different things and nothing was working and so then you start thinking okay what's wrong with my baby there's some kind of medical issue and oh my goodness we went to so many like different doctors and um meeting with the child health nurse and everything you start asking questions and then they recommend like I always found that the recommendation was like oh go to this sleep and settling thing or go to sleep school and for me it just didn't feel right I I totally respect people that go down that route but for me that was actually quite triggering for me um because yeah with a lot of the sleep stuff it's um involves crying and I just could not handle more crying like above the normal level you know so I was really stuck for a long time and um yeah like I said as the sleep got worse and worse my mental health got worse and worse and I think it was about six months postpartum that um I I really came to the realization that this wasn't this wasn't it Um, I was hating being a mother and dreading every single day waking up and especially in the evening I just get this feeling of dread like oh here we go again like it's a lot it's a lot and um I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was just being curious. I was always Googling stuff um, and I'd heard someone mention when they were struggling, like reaching out to Panda. And so I went to their website and they've got like a checklist and I was like, hmm, I wonder. (laughs) I start going through it and I was like ticking almost every single box. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Because previously I just kept shrugging it off and being like, no, 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 
I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just tired. Like that's, that's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. But then when it was like, obviously looking back at me, you have anxiety and depression. <laughs> I um like clicked the call back button and I think like they've got such a high, um, high rate of calls coming in that you do have to wait a little bit to talk to someone. And then when they did call me back, I remember just crying and crying like, For the first time, with all the things I'd been struggling with, I felt so validated. (laughs) Because you know what I was saying? Like, everyone's just like, this is normal. This is normal. And the whole time, like, this is not normal. Like, (laughs) I just, yeah, like, you do just expect to feel so happy as a mother. And I just wasn't. And I felt like I had to put this smile on and be like, yeah, this is the best. And, you know, post all happy pictures of you and your baby, but really like struggling so much. Um, so after after that phone call with Panda, because she really normalized that experience for me. She says, you know, we have people calling all the time, feeling exactly the same way as you. And it's not anything that you're doing wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you just basically you just need more support. So the next step, you know, she recommended to go to my GP and get on a mental health plan. And yeah, I was all for that. Like I've grown up um, in a family with lots of mental illness. So I didn't feel ashamed of like if I had depression or anxiety, that wasn't an issue for me. And I was very proactive about getting help. Like I really wanted to get on top of it. Um, so seeing the GP, he then referred me to a psychologist and I'm pretty sure straight away, like wrote out a script for antidepressants. Um, yeah. So I I guess I didn't have much thought into that. I just trusted him like, yep. Okay. And so did the GP do any screening or anything? They just said, oh, Panda said you've got depression. Then that's that. I'll write your script. Well, that's it. It was very like not many questions at all. Like I think they asked, is there depression in your family? And I was just like, yeah, my mom, my mom struggles with depression and that was it. Like there actually was no asking, is there bipolar in your family? And like, I kind of wish that I'd just said it, but I didn't actually think it was connected in some weird way. I just thought, yep, that's them, but not me. <laughs> Cause also, you know, you compare yourself. So I have, I have two brothers who have bipolar. So I've seen what they've been through and I was like, that's nothing like my experience. So I don't have that. (laughs) And I think as well, there is so much confusion. Um, You've spoken about this before. There's a big difference between bipolar one and bipolar two. And its presentation in gender is also quite different. Yes. And that's a really good point. Like I had heard there was two different types, but I didn't know what the differences were. And I haven't double checked with my brothers, but I'm quite certain that they are type one Mm -hmm. um, because... In my mind, the main difference between them is the severity of the mania. And um, so type 1 has what they call like full-blown mania where your mood is really heightened and that brings all all kinds of different symptoms for different people. But it it can often end up in hospitalisation. And so my brothers were in and out of hospital in their teenage years. And um, Then with type 2, it's a much lesser form of mania called hypomania. So it's hypo, not hyper, sorry. (laughs) No, 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 it makes sense, yeah. That's where it's quite hard 
I think for some people to realize when you have that, because I didn't think I had any kind of mania. Like I mentioned before, I had the anxiety and I think actually a lot of anxiety-like symptoms cross over with hypomania. So there's the insomnia, was not being able to sleep, but it was also the way it manifested in me was just this extreme irritability like and like depending on who you talk to some would say oh that's just a symptom of depression yeah so I was having like looking back I was having these real big ups and downs Um, my depression wasn't constant and I think that's a point you have to consider I think when you do have depression it's this constant low mood Mm. and other from other women's stories that I've heard my experience doesn't sound the same as that and so I was diagnosed with postnatal depression but when I hear other people's stories of postnatal depression mine mine didn't look like that Mm. I definitely did experience depression but it would be like a week of feeling depressed and then I was okay again yeah um and so that's more the bipolar yes exactly it's different and then when you're um diagnosed with depression and you actually have bipolar if they put you on antidepressants it often doesn't help um and you've said this before it can actually induce hypomania yes yes I think for me I'm not sure if it triggered more of a mania but it just definitely didn't work like Mm. (laughs) I tried a few different types of antidepressant and you know, we'd, you'd gradually increase the dose and they'd always say, how do you think it's going? And I would always just be like, it feels exactly the same. Like, I don't feel like it's working. Mm. And again, that's where I would compare other people's experience and they'd be like, yeah, once I got on antidepressants, things really lifted for me. And I'm like, oh, why yeah. isn't it working for me? Yeah. Just for some context here, even though bipolar does have the depressive episodes, it, it requires yeah. different treatment. So the misdiagnosis is problematic because you'd think that antidepressants could probably help the depressive episodes. Not always. Not on their own. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know I know people who are on the mood stabilizer and an antidepressant and that yeah. works for them. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure antidepressants on their own don't work for bipolar. So it was like, like you said, nearly three years of trying so many different things to get on top of what I thought was anxiety and depression and just (laughs) it was just going round and round and round that's what it felt like like I said I would you know I'd meet with different psychologists I probably met with maybe around like six or seven different psychologists and I did find one at the beginning I was with her for about 10 months and she was very helpful to a certain point. Um, this is where things start getting complicated for me as well. Um, motherhood sort of brought up some, I don't like using the word like childhood trauma, but that's essentially what it is. Um, yeah, it just brought up all this stuff to the surface that I didn't even realise I had. And I think a lot of women experience that. Um, there's something about having a baby and their their behaviours that trigger these feelings inside of you. So that was also really connected to what I mentioned before with the crying. Crying for me was a massive trigger. It still is. And obviously crying's supposed to elicit some kind of discomfort in the mother so that 
the baby gets responded to but this was like next level for me um I get a full body reaction just tensing up and I don't think I've experienced a panic attack but in my mind it's a similar kind of thing I guess like an anxiety attack um yeah I yeah I just feel like everything just shutting down like very very overwhelming and I tried to explain that to my husband what I was feeling because he just could not understand my reaction to it yeah um to him you know the crying's a bit of an unpleasant noise but he wouldn't feel what I'm feeling (laughs) so yeah there was all these things coming up for me that my psychologist was helping me work through but yeah I got to a point where I just felt like I was going around in circles like I'd bring up everything and she'd give me some helpful advice but then nothing seemed to be resolving and I was still struggling massively so I thought okay I'm gonna have a look for someone else I was just constantly like when things weren't getting better I'm just like okay time to try something else but that's a credit to you (laughs) you know being proactive and wanting to get better because I sit here and I think Jade, how much longer would you have had to wait for a diagnosis if you weren't the person that you were? And that's such a shame. We shouldn't have to do this. But, yeah, I mean, good on you. Good on you for doing it. It breaks my heart, though, that you even had to. Yeah, thank you. It's I do feel quite emotional thinking about it because you're right. It would be so easy for me to just get complacent and be like, "Mm, this is my life now, like, Especially when you're feeling mentally unwell. It's like you're so drained. And I I just knew, I just knew that I there had to be something more. I wasn't okay with the fact that, okay, this is just how my life is gonna be forever now. Like I didn't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I just had to keep trying and um it's all a bit blurry the timeline but um yeah it was last year maybe like the middle of last year that again I was going through a heavy depression and just I'd I'd message people and I'd just be like what else like what else can I try like what's worked for you like the page that I've started there's a lot of women who have shared their stories of overcoming depression and their recovery and they'd say things like oh you know I've come out the other side and I'm the happiest I've ever been and I'm like why why can't I get there so Mm. yeah a few people um, mentioned to me have you been to a psychiatrist and honestly I I knew there was a difference but I didn't realize how much of a difference there was between a psychiatrist and a psychologist you and me both (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Obviously, I knew that psychiatrist was more expensive. So I think, <laughs> and, and harder to get into as well. So there were a few barriers for me not going down that path. And um, yeah, I had a few friends that said to me, no, seeing a psychiatrist made the biggest difference for me, um, especially in terms of medication, because that's what they specialize in. Yeah. Um, so I. Yeah, I had a friend that said, oh, I have an excellent psychiatrist. She specializes in perinatal, you know, area. Mental health, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, 
So I tried to get in with her and they actually said to me, oh, no, she's not taking on any new patients. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> what do I do now? But, you know, I'm really grateful for this friend um, and her looking out for me. She says, oh, my next appointment, I'm going to, like, pester her and say, no, my friend really needs help. Like, can you please consider taking her on? And, yeah, thankfully she did. And oh, that makes me want to cry. Yeah. yeah. I always cry at some point. It was inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a beautiful, beautiful friend. Yeah, she definitely, it's made such a big difference seeing this psychiatrist. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to see her if she didn't speak up for me. So when I was eventually able to see the psychiatrist, that's when like everything changed because one of the first things she asked me was about the bipolar in my family and I was like oh I've never considered that and she says well from what you've shared with me I think it's a very high chance that you have bipolar and that just like got stuck in my mind like for a long time after that I was just like oh you know, you think over everything and you think, oh, yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah. The, you know, the not being able to sleep and, like, cleaning my whole house in the middle of the night, like, those yeah. were the signs of the hypermania. Yeah. Just feeling, like, really good. And I thought, okay, I'm getting better. Like, I would, you know, have all these great ideas about what I wanted to do for a career and I'd just be, like, so motivated and then, like, a couple of days later, I'd crash and be really depressed again. So listening to my psychiatrist explain to me bipolar type 2, I realised, yeah, like, I really resonated with it. And I thought, yeah, that's that must be what I have. And so that meant a whole different course of treatment. She started going into um, the different kinds of mood stabilisers and... Um, but she... You know, obviously she really knows her stuff and the first one that she recommended to me sounded like the best one because, you know, they can come with different side effects. Of course. Um, and this one that she put me on sounded like the safest, the best one. So, yeah. And then it's just been a matter of, I guess, you know, trial and error and, you know, like you increase the dose slowly and meet up with her again. And it's hard because... When I think of recovery, I've always had this image of like reaching your goal, like, yes, I am recovered. <laughs> like, but I've really had to try and change that expectation because I think especially with bipolar, you're not just going to be cured of it. And that's really hard to come to terms with, especially when you were diagnosed with postnatal depression, anxiety. You're like, yes, there's an end date for that. Like mm. I can get through this. And then to hear, oh, no, you've got this for the rest of your life. Like you mentioned before, I really felt a huge amount of grief with that. And I just cried the whole way home. And so especially because um, seeing my brothers and what they've been through, I think having a a diagnosis having a label put on you can feel really good and validating because you're like oh okay this is this is what I'm going through that makes sense and but then it can also feel like that stigma right like 
there is a lot of negative um, stigma with bipolar. Like oh, absolutely, and people do use that term quite flippantly. And like we use it as an adjective. Oh, I'm so yeah, yeah. Today. And it's the same with OCD. Like oh, mm. I'm so OCD. We use our language is so important, <laughs> and the way we use it is so incorrect and can be so harmful for people who do actually experience bipolar, who experience OCD, who experience um, psychosis or schizophrenia, you know, and we, yeah, you know what I'm like, I'm a very big proponent (laughs) of we need to use our words wisely and more kindly. And I'm, I'm quite a sensitive person and I overthink everything. And so while I was really glad to receive that diagnosis, then in the back of my mind, I start thinking, oh, you know, what are people really thinking of me? Like, are they going, oh, yeah, this makes sense. She's crazy, you know. <laughs> like, but um, you can't get too caught up on that. Um, I've sort of got to a point where, you know, with all the stuff I'm sharing anyway, I'm sure people have opinions and it doesn't really bother me as long as they keep it to themselves. <laughs> Yeah. And I think for everyone who might think something, Hmm. there are so many mums out there who will be messaging you saying, Jade, thank you. Hmm. You know, thank you for sharing so openly or thank you for sharing someone else's story. You know, that's as hard as it is to receive, you know, maybe one negative. There are so many more positives and you do incredible work. Thank you. And that's that's really what keeps me sharing it because I do doubt myself a lot and I think, oh, do people still want to hear this? Like often I just think I'm constantly like, oh, my life sucks. <laughs> but but I do um, I do keep sharing for those people who, like you said, they message me and they're like, thank you for being so open about this. Like there's so many people, their circles that they're in um, are not so open and can be quite judgmental or dismissive. Just, you know, just grin and bear it. Like I had it harder than you. (laughs) Yeah. So it's quite a unique community and you're part of it as well, where we can just share these things and feel really validated and supported. And that's what I love about it. That's what I love too. It's like we're making our own village Yeah. in that way. Like it's not necessarily, you know, the meal train and stuff like the practical support, but it's the emotional support we need. And that sense of community on Instagram when we're in those circles is just incredible. And I did not expect it. Me neither. Like when I first started my account it was purely because I was struggling and I wanted to connect with other people like I was looking online for support groups and things like that and like nothing was coming up and I just was like well I'll make an account and try to make my own support group yeah and um was not expecting so many women to say like you know oh me too like I'm going through this too and it's honestly like made the biggest difference it's not that I don't have people like in person to support me it's just not the same level like especially if they haven't been through it themselves they don't necessarily know what to say or know how to help in the way that you need help Um, But then when you connect with all these women whose stories are very similar, it gives you hope, doesn't it? And it gives you 
comfort and I don't know it's just been a very positive experience for me. If I can ask you saw your psychiatrist and I remember I think you posted about it and you said within 15 minutes she already knew (laughs) and like I first of all that's incredible (laughs) Um, but from there she helped you find a perinatal psychologist is that correct? Yeah yeah so she um yeah psychiatrist Uh, I think their main role is to get you on the right medication. And there is a bit of talk therapy involved with that. But a psychologist's main role is to do the talk therapy. So after the first few sessions of talking with my psychiatrist, she goes, okay, I've got a feel for what your experiences are like and what struggles you're having. And she's sort of got this big list of psychologists she can refer you to. And she says, I think this one here will be a really good match for you. And like I said before, I've seen so many, right? But this one is like the perfect one for me. So I couldn't have asked for a better psychiatrist and psychologist and they've both helped me so much. And it's not that the other ones haven't helped me, right? But when you find the right one, it's just Oh, so, it's magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like she just gets everything And the advice she gives me is just so applicable and like achievable. Like sometimes I'd meet with psychologists and they'd give me these kinds of like CBT stuff to do and it just wasn't working for me. Like the things that I was going through, I couldn't just be like, oh yes, I'm going to change this thought. And that kind of, that works for some people, but the issues I was going through, it wasn't going to work for me. But then, um, yeah, my psychologist... What I've found has been really helpful is actually doing telehealth appointments with her while my son is there and actually she can see the things that trigger me with him yeah and talk me through it in the moment because that's one of my biggest struggles was I'd meet with my psychologist and they'd say okay try this this and this but then by the time I'm home with my son I'd get triggered and I wouldn't like whip out my list and be like oh okay I gotta do this I'd just really struggle to actually do what they tell me to do but when she's right there and she's like okay Jay take a deep breath and remember what we've been talking about and so she's been a really big help and I hope that I can keep seeing her for a long time because I know that my issues are going to be ongoing and I'm going to have moments where I really need support and hoping that as time goes by I won't need it as much but for the moment it's really helpful to see her every few weeks. Um, There's another thing that you found really helpful along your journey and it was so helpful that you're actually (laughs) I guess facilitating this activity and I don't know anything about (laughs) women's circles so I'm I'm so curious and I'm I'd love to hear how that has helped. Obviously, in addition to your psychiatrist, Mm. in addition to the medication, in addition to the psychologist, this is something that has given you maybe a sense of purpose. And you messaged me yesterday and it was, I I absolutely adored this message. You said, everything on my journey has led me to this point and I I need to hear about this. So if you want to talk about it, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So as I've mentioned before, I was looking into everything, right? Like not just the general medication and talk therapy. I was looking into alternative stuff. Yeah. I was just looking at everything. And then I found what kept coming up were these women's circles. (laughs) And like, I don't know, it seemed quite mysterious to me and kind of like alternative and hippie. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm not into that. Like, (laughs) I'm not like, I, I have my sort of Christian beliefs. And to me, it seemed different from that. But my ideas about it 
were quite wrong. There's a much deeper meaning um, and it's connection. It's all about connecting women with each other. And one of the ladies that I was following, her name is Rachel. And so she is a postpartum doula, a counsellor, and she ran these women's circles and she put up a post running a free one. And that's what grabbed my attention, <laughs> to, you know, to be able to try it for free. And it was an online one, which again, suited me better because I have a lot of social anxiety. And that was at the start of last year. And I thought, why not? I'll give it a try. I'm curious as to what these circles are all about. And I went and I reckon I just cried the whole time. <laughs> Like it was like being in the space just gave me the permission to just let go. For me, that was what I initially felt and it was so powerful. Um, it's actually really hard to put into words what it feels like to be in a circle. But um, when you're in the circle with other women, it's a very comforting feeling. It's like this old familiar feeling and you just feel like, in this place, I can be myself. I don't have to put on any kind of facade. And that's where it's very different from like a mum's group, right? Because I mean, some people have really great mum's groups, but I've heard a lot of people say that it's quite like competitive. And it's also very much about your kids, like not so much about you and what you're going through. Anyways, mother's circles, women's circles are very different from a mum's group, especially because often it's just the women and your kids aren't there. And that of itself is a great experience. It's nice to have a break then. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we need it. But you really do need to be able to separate yourself from them mm. and to be your own person. And that's been one of my really big struggles as well is that I've had this idea in my mind that to be a good mum, I have to be with him all the time and have a really strong attachment. Otherwise, I'm going to mess him up. That's the narrative I've had in my head. Um, yeah, and I really lost myself in motherhood. So being able to take time away to just have some time on your own and figure out like who you are, like there's that whole matrescence that we go through that you do, I feel like you do become another person. Like you're still at your core, you're still the same person, but there's all these layers that fall off and try to, I guess, like reinvent yourself or figure out who you are now as a mother mm. and I wasn't ever putting myself in any situation where I could figure out who I am or even what I like anymore. Like I feel like, yeah, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked to do. My husband was really good with taking Oscar out for an hour or so here and there. I didn't even know what I wanted to do when he went out. Like I just, yeah, I was really lost. And I think these circles give women the opportunity to come together and, and find yourself again. And also, like I said, the first one I went to, I just cried the whole time. So it also just gives you that permission to feel your feelings, not have to suppress them all the time. And then to be in a group of women, we like get each other, right? Like I would always tell my issues to my husband, but he just didn't didn't get it like he couldn't you know he couldn't empathize with it because he hasn't experienced it and he couldn't necessarily say the right things because like I said he didn't understand it and he'd say what he thought I wanted to hear but 
always seem to be the wrong thing. And yeah, same with, you know, seeing a psychologist or a counsellor or whatever, like sometimes they can give you really good advice and they're quite good at validating your feelings, but it's just different being in a circle with women who are like in it with you and you sort of have that solidarity and yeah, you feel really supported. If I can ask, are women's circles specific to mothers and or mothers with postpartum depression, anxiety or other mental illness or is it women's in general? Yeah. Okay. So um, I have also been following an account by a lady called Rachel Rose and she is a mother's uh, women's circle facilitator and then she also offers like trainings and she explains it really well like it's generally a women's circle open to all women but then um, depending on who the facilitator is they can choose to have a certain um sure what do you call it niche <laughs> yeah 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 okay yeah so there are some that are just mother's circles um some that are pregnancy circles or different kinds um and so I specifically wanted to do mother's circles because of my experience and how much I wanted to connect with other mothers and especially as a new mother I wish that I had that and so I thought oh if I can do this for someone else maybe their journey won't be as difficult as mine was if they have that kind of support from the beginning so yeah, I hope that explains it. It's, yeah, it's it's a special experience whatever kind of circle you go to because they all have that connection with other women. And, um, yeah, so from the first online circle that I did, I knew that it was a really good experience and that I wanted to do it again. Um, and so then I started looking into some in-person ones. And then... I can't remember how it came up, but I was talking to a friend about wanting to start up my own mother's circle and she just kind of said, oh, I've been thinking I want to do one too. Um, And then we just thought, oh, let's do it together, Um, which I'm super grateful for because I have a very bad habit of like doubting myself and giving up on things. And I really think that if I didn't have her doing it with me, that I would have chickened out but because we went into it together we would pump each other up and (laughs) um, then we held our first circle the last few months of last year yeah we ended up doing our like practice run uh, just with some friends and then we did the real one um, opened up to everyone and we held that at a yoga studio and it was exciting and nerve-wracking but you just you just gotta jump in and you don't have to know all the answers you're not You're not there to give a lecture to everyone. You're just there to facilitate. You're there to open up the circle for sharing. And yeah, you don't have to be an expert to start. So I went into the circle with that kind of attitude and um, it went really well. And at the end of this month, I'm going to do my first online circle, you know, much similar to the first one I went to just make it free so that people can come along and see what it's all about no pressure, no, you know, you can just have a try. Um, And I hope that by doing that, it gets the conversation going because I really do believe that every woman would benefit from going to a woman's circle. I just think it's, yeah, just I can't recommend it enough. If you go to a women's circle, it fills these gaps that you have within you that sometimes you don't even realise you have. It's something really special and 
for me, like I said, it's what I've been seeking for this whole time. And it doesn't even matter. Like you, you don't know anyone in the circle. There's still this like feeling of like knowing each other and it sounds really corny, but just like, like there's love in the circle. Like, and I felt that with the first in-person one that I went to, like the lady next to me was just so lovely. And again, I just cried the whole time (laughs) (laughs) because like I needed this space to let it all come out. And unfortunately for them, it was in the circle and But it was really nice because I love the expression like to feel held and that's that's what I felt. I just felt like this circle was just wrapping their arms around me and just that's the feeling I have needed this whole time and I just haven't had it. Unfortunately, my circumstances, I've had support and I'm grateful for it but it hasn't been the exact support that I've needed and it's nobody's fault. I think it's quite easy for people to feel like I'm not grateful for the support that I've had because that's not true. I am very grateful. I just needed that feeling of emotionally being held and until, really until going to a circle, I hadn't felt you've been on such a journey and such a long journey and as you said so much of that was alone and comparing yourself well if this person's gotten better why aren't I and yeah you know it's been such a long journey and I'm so glad that after all this time you got your your hug I guess you got to be held because that's what we all need whether it's day one or day 300 we all need to be held in this journey Yes, and like I said before, like the whole recovery and healing process, you're never going to reach that end destination where everything is perfect. Like you're still, it's an ongoing thing. And so what I want to be able to do is to just continue to hold circles and I get benefits from it and so does everyone else that, that comes and... I don't know, I just, when I think about that, when I think about if I can do this for the rest of my life and have that feeling and help others to have that feeling, it's it's not going to feel like work at all. Like it's... No. It's, yeah, I don't know the word for it. It's purposeful and meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's going to be my purpose now and... That's so exciting because my whole life I've struggled with, like, I didn't have any desire to have a career. I thought my purpose was in being a mother. And obviously that is part of my purpose, but as upsetting as it is to admit, like, because I wanted just that to be my whole purpose and feel so fulfilling, but that's just not what it's been like for me. Like, I love my son with my whole heart. That goes without saying, but I don't feel fulfilled in just being a mum and nothing else like that. That is for some people, but not for me. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 And I've desperately been searching for something else. And then I found circles and I was like, yeah, this is it. I feel it in my heart. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And my circles are going to be different from other people's circles and 
I think that's what makes them really special. Like it's what you bring to it as the facilitator. I think that makes it unique and special. And um, obviously some people will connect more with a different kind of facilitator, but there will be people who come to the ones that I facilitate and it will be the right fit for them. Oh, it will be a huge benefit for them. And you do have a wealth of knowledge, which is lived experience, Mm. and that can't be understated. Yeah, but also just to sort of differentiate, like a circle obviously is not therapy. Like it's therapeutic but it's no replacement for seeing an actual trained therapist (laughs) so it's a combination of all these things I think that that helps a person to feel mentally well like it's not just medication or talk therapy it's it's you know it's your diet your exercise your environment it's your relationships and I think that circles really fills that connection and relationship aspect then we all need it But yeah, we all have this kind of spiritual yearning in some way or another. And circles, again, put you in a situation where you can connect with yourself, connect with whatever it is that you believe in. I think that often as mothers, we don't get an opportunity, even a moment to meditate or pray or whatever it is you believe in. We all have that side to us and being in the circle, we can meditate, we can take time to be still and And we need that. We all need that time. Absolutely, we do. And I love what you've said about like purpose and whatnot, because a big part of our healing journey, as you said, there's not necessarily an end goal with recovery, but it's a part of a general well-being and our general health and figuring out what our values are and aligning ourselves to that in our decision-making in everything goes such a long way obviously in addition to doctors and medicine and all of that yeah knowing our values and being able to live them out is magic for our mental health and for our emotional health and just our well-being in general yeah and honestly I I don't think you can get better like quote unquote Mm. without looking at that aspect that inner side of yourself And even if there are struggles up and down throughout the rest of your life, by having other aspects of your life that bring you joy Mm. and peace and comfort, it goes a long way in making the journey more. It gives you strength, inner strength. It does. Yeah, That's how I feel. Like like I'm still going to struggle, but if I'm somehow filling my cup, it gives you more strength to get through the hard times. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I'm so honoured because, as you said, there really isn't enough conversation about bipolar, postpartum Mm -hmm. bipolar, and bipolar too in general, I think, because it presents differently. And I think this conversation will go a long way in reducing the stereotypes. But also, you know, it's so important that our medical professionals are asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, bipolar and depression the symptoms are quite similar so it's very easy to misdiagnose it's very easy to not screen and to just sweep it under the rug of depression but yeah it requires different treatment you know there's different stigmas as well that come up and things that we have to address so I'm yeah I'm so grateful you spoke to me about this today because I know it's not easy I know how hard this has been for you there was a lot to process and has been that's three years of your motherhood journey that Mm. you were told you had depression and that's a 
I think that's honestly one of the hardest parts is to look back on it all and say, oh, you know, what if? Mm. What if? What if the first time I reached out for help, they'd say, oh, do you have bipolar in your family? And it just went down this complete different path. That's something that's really hard for me to think about because it's been really, really hard. Mm. And um, now I can sort of show myself a bit more kindness and gentleness because I was always so hard on myself like why is it so hard for you like what is wrong with you but now I can see clearly the struggles that I was going through and can feel proud of myself for getting through it but also being proactive you Mm. know you didn't stop asking for help and that in itself to me is the biggest sign of strength by asking for help like we deserve it whether we think we do or not we deserve that help yeah I think yeah like really at your core knowing that you are worth getting better because if you're listening to these thoughts that I often do have like you're not good enough this 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 you can just sit back and just say okay I'm not worth getting better I'm not Mm. just I guess sort of give up and I, that has a really negative tone to it, but I totally get it. I think that's where people who haven't experienced mental illness don't understand how strong that person is. For continuing at that intensity to feel those feelings, like, like it's hard to explain in words, but um, if you can surround yourself with people to support you and help lift you up out of that, I really do believe that in one way or another, people can recover or at least reach some kind of way of life that's not so miserable. Yeah. I just think if you're at the bottom of the pit right now, you don't always have to be there. I think there's enough support available that you can get out of it. You just need to keep trying. Or if it's too hard for you to do, have someone else to help you out. Because you don't have to get out of the pit by yourself. Mm. And I know it's sometimes it's easier said than done. I mean, there shouldn't be so many barriers, but there is help available. And I'm so glad that things are slowly changing, that we are making that help accessible. Yeah. Thank you, Jade. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful you started the space that you did on Instagram because the help that you're providing to so many others is immeasurable. So thank you. And thank you for talking to me today. (laughs) I feel very honoured. Thank you. And I feel the same about what you're doing too. We need more and more people to do the same. (laughs) Thank you to all our listeners for holding space for today's story. If you like this episode, please leave a review and rating to help me bring you more amazing content. Join the conversation and be featured on the podcast by sharing your story through my website, perinatalstoriesaustralia.com. If these stories are a bit too much to listen to or to read right now, then come back another time. Protecting your mental health is the number one priority. As always, this podcast and its associated blog and social media accounts is not a substitute for therapy or for getting help. No medical advice is provided, only lived experiences. If any of this does resonate though, please reach out to a medical professional. See you next time.